Hi, this is Barbara Apostle, and I am going to be reading chapter 20, um, beginning on page 281. Now that Mago and Carlos were gone, the three-bedroom apartment felt too empty. My father moved us to the two-bedroom unit upstairs and rented the three-bedroom unit to my cousin, Lola, and her family. He bought me a full-size bed and got rid of the two twin-size beds Mago and I had slept in. I was glad of that. It was easier to deal with my sister's absence now that I didn't have to look at her empty bed. All traces that I'd once shared a room with, my sister, were gone. Now this room was mine alone. I had no one left but Steve. I didn't need to sneak behind my father's back anymore to have a boyfriend. I told him about Steve because I didn't care what Poppy would do anymore. He had taken Mago away. He'd taken UC Irvine away. What else could he take away from me? Surprisingly enough, he allowed me to have a boyfriend. He said I was 17 now, a young woman. He said, just be careful and don't embarrass me. My father's permission to have a boyfriend gave me hope. If I could convince him about that, I could convince him to let me see Mago again. Prom was in a few weeks and Mago was taking me shopping. I wanted to go ask my father for permission to see my sister, but just when I was about to ask him, I changed my mind. If he said no, I wouldn't get a dress. If I didn't have a dress, I couldn't go to prom, so I didn't risk it. I snuck out of the house to meet Mago in the alley nearby. I told Poppy I was going jogging at Sycamore Grove Park. That was one advantage of signing up for track and field. I had an excuse to get out of the house. Mago took me to the mall to pick out a prom dress. I was happy to see my sister and happy to be doing something that sisters do all the time together, shopping. For a moment, I forgot I wasn't supposed to be there. For a moment, it felt like old times, just me and my sister. I felt like a normal teenage girl whose only worry was what to wear to prom. It's so good to see you again, Nina, Mago said. I miss you. I do too, I said. I tried on a dress after dress, but Mago shook her head and brought me more. I'd never tried on so many dresses in my life. You look fat. You look short. Your skin looks too yellow. Yuck, you look like an old lady, she'd say with every dress. Finally, I tried on a wine-colored dress made of crushed velvet with a long slit on the side. Nothing fancy because Mago was the one paying for it, and I didn't want her to spend too much money. It was a simple dress, but the deep red color went well with my olive skin and black hair. She took me home and dropped me off in the alley, half a block away from the house. I'll come on prom day and help you get ready, okay, she said. Okay, thanks for the dress, Mago. You're the best, I said, hugging her. I looked around, making sure Poppy wasn't spying on me. He'd kill me if he saw me, or worse, he wouldn't let me go to prom. He'll change his mind eventually, she said. He can't keep us separated like this. I don't want to be sneaking around like a criminal. You're my sister. I have rights. I hope so, I said. I walked home thinking about the many times I'd ask him for permission to see her. He always said no. The day of the prom, as promised, Mago came in the afternoon to help me get ready. Poppy was watching TV. I asked Mila to tell him I'd gone to the store to buy hairspray if he asked. She knew Mago was waiting for me, and I was glad she understood. This was the big day for me. I needed my sister. I met Mago in the alley again. She'd brought all her hair supplies and makeup. We moved to the back seat of her car. She did my hair first, and soon she got impatient. I can't believe I have to do this in a car, she said, as she struggled to access the sides, all sides of my head. She tried to work quickly because she knew, because we knew that once my dad realized I wasn't home, he'd start asking questions. 
when she put her hairspray on, when she put hairspray on, I got dizzy. I had, we had to open the doors to let all the fumes out. Hurry, I said, biting my nails, imagining my father calling out my name, knocking, and then opening the door and noticing I wasn't in my room. And what if Myla told him where I was? Not going to prom was the worst thing that could happen. For the first time, I felt like a normal girl doing what girls do here in America. There, she said, that's the best I can do for now. I looked in the rearview mirror. My hair was pulled back from my face and up in a bun. There were two braids on either side that twisted around the bun in an intricate design. Wow, you can do miracles, I said. Okay, now for your makeup. Quick. I like this part because now I could look at her. She was only inches from me, and I got to study every bit of her face. I admired and envied her long eyelashes, her narrow face that always made me look thinner in fo- made her look thinner in photographs, whereas my wide, round face always made me look 30 pounds heavier. I looked at her scars. The one on her eyelid looked like a miniature train, like miniature train tracks. The scars weren't very noticeable, and they didn't make her look any less pretty. It was sad that whenever she looked at herself in the mirror, to her they were big and ugly. Keep still, Nina, Nina, she said as she applied mascara. I couldn't stop blinking. Applying mascara always made me nervous. Hurry, I said. I'm going to get caught. When she was finished, I didn't have time to look in the mirror. I got out of the car and started running out of the alley. Thank you, I yelled. Wait, I haven't even said bye. I ran back again, gave her a big hug, and then darted away. Have fun, she said. I slowed down when I got near the house, making sure my dad wasn't anywhere outside. Mrs. Giuliano was sitting at her window. She waved at me, and I wondered if she'd seen me with Mago. She wouldn't tell on me, would she? I made my way upstairs, and luckily, only Milo was in the kitchen. She said my dad was in the bedroom. How is she? she asked. Fine, I said. I rushed to my room, hoping my dad wouldn't open the door to his bedroom at that very moment. I made it safely into my room and looked at myself in the mirror. It was always, it always amazed me how good my sister was at styling hair and applying makeup. The girl looking back at me wasn't me. It was a pretty version of me, one that my sister had created. At that moment, I felt almost as pretty as her. She'd done my makeup exactly the way she did hers. When I looked in the mirror, it was almost as if I were seeing her looking back at me. I carefully wiped away the beads of perspiration that had gathered on my upper lips on my run to the on my upper lip on the, my run to the house. I didn't have much makeup on, makeup on my own, so I was careful not to wipe too hard. My pretty face had to last me the whole night. I put on my burgundy dress and my heels and patted my bun once more as I waited for Steve. I knew it was silly, but I felt that I was taking Megal along with me to prom. Steve showed up in his mother's beat-up car, the color of baby vomit. He had promised me a white Corvette, and I had pictured him picking me up, looking like a knight on a white horse. My neighbor didn't let me borrow his Corvette after all, he said. You look beautiful. Wow. Thanks to my sister, I whispered. Myla came out and took pictures of us before we left. Steve held me tight. He couldn't keep his eyes off me. My dad didn't leave his room. It was prom night, but to him, there was nothing special about it. So I left without him saying bye to me. Steve opened the car door for me, and I couldn't stop laughing at it. That was the first time anyone had opened the door for me, like men did in those old black-and-white movies I watched on AMC. I felt like Catherine Hepburn, and I pretended he was Cary Grant. Steve looked just as gorgeous in his black tuxedo and bow tie. I was crazy about his hazel eyes and dimples. 
even though the car was 100 years old and rattled, sending puffs of smoke into the air as Steve and I made our way down the street, I pretended we were in the Corvette. At the prom, all my friends praised my makeup and hair, and they wanted to know which beauty salon I'd gone to. I didn't tell them I'd gotten my hair done in a car parked in an alley that stank of pee and was littered with trash. I didn't tell them it had been my sister who'd fixed me up. Lucky you, they said. Steve and I danced for hours. I didn't want the night to end. I wanted to stay there in his arms on that beautiful dance floor with crystal chandeliers and disco nights. After prom was over, Steve wanted to go to the beach with his friends, but the car wouldn't start. Steve tried over and over again, but nothing. He popped the hood and looked in there, but he didn't know how to fix a car, and there was nothing he could do but look. I think it's your battery, one of the valet drivers told us. We got someone to jumpstart the car, and we sat there in the parking lot watching Steve's friends start to drive off one by one to the beach. Well, he said, should we risk it? What if it dies again, I said. I felt like Cinderella. My chariot was turning back into a pumpkin. If I don't get home on time, my father will kill me. When we got to my house, Steve didn't turn off the car because he was afraid it might not start again. So he walked me to the door and gave me a quick kiss and left. The house was quiet and dark and quiet. Poppy and Mila were asleep. There was no one there to ask me how my prom had gone. In my room, I stood by before the mirror. My hair was still perfect. My makeup was still beautiful. In the reflection, I could see my sister looking back at me. I heard her asking me how it had gone. It was great, I said, magical.